a quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Adam Helway. It sounds like somebody's got some experience singing, huh? Yeah, well, actually, hearing your voice, I thought I've really got to get down there and get the the, the, the deep voice going because you've got a deeper voice than I have. But you 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 know how to use it better with those uh, those those cool singing tones. You don't want me to to try that at all. Uh, but it's good to good to be here. Uh, we, we talked a, a few months back, and uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun talking with you. So I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I find it actually very difficult to believe that you can't sing. Um, but I'll take your word for it. I'm pretty sure anybody with a voice that deep can sing. Uh, oh, the other thing is actually, uh, interesting enough, somebody once told me I'm a double bass player, and they told me with uh, really deep notes, the really low notes, the yeah. human brain, the human ear and the human brain, correct. So you can actually sing and play completely out of tune as long as it's low and the human brain will correct. But if it's high, it can't correct. So you have probably have a singing career. You just don't know it because you can sing out of tune and nobody will notice. You know, I, I was in choir a lot as a kid, and uh, I certainly, I guess, had a louder voice, uh, they, they, they said, and that oh, maybe is attributed yeah. to just being loud. <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but the, you know, the funny thing is, is I know folks have commented on my voice being low, and I used to actually, I was a mobile DJ and did some other stuff for a while. So people were like, you should, you know, DJ. And I was like, yeah, I did a little bit of that on the side and all this. Um, but in my head, I don't sound as low as what I think people hear, you know, it's that voice inside where when you hear it resonating inside your own noggin, it doesn't sound, uh, as deep. So I'm always thankful that other people enjoy the tone, I guess. <laughs> oh, I love the tone. I'm, I'm basically speechless, but that isn't the point of today. I, I I'm going to start off with brand serps, which is my favorite thing. I immediately looked up your name. Uh, you absolutely dominate. I mean, I thought this isn't a unique name, therefore it's easy, and it's not. There are lots of uh, people with exactly the same name, and yet you're the only person on that page. Uh, quickly moving on, you've got your Twitter boxes, and three days ago. Now, what's interesting there is the Twitter boxes still appear on your brand cert, despite the fact that you haven't actually done anything for three days, except retweet and comment. So I asked you about half an hour ago, could you possibly tweet something, an original tweet, and bingo, Bob's your uncle. There you go, on the left. Wow, wow. Within three minutes. It's literally 17 seconds. If, if I'd known exactly when you did it, I could have got that 17 seconds at the bottom. And you've what I love about Twitter boxes is that it gives you as a brand or a person real-time control over what appears in front of your audience when they're Googling your brand name. Uh, and... Three minutes. I mean, we go from from this. I mean, three days. You're, you're very lazy. Excuse me, but <laughs> you hadn't done anything for three days, and it's rare that Google keeps those Twitter boxes up for more than three days. So you mm. did a good job. Now they're going to stay up for another three days because you just tweeted some rubbish about this show. Now, last thing before we move on to your super topic: the human journey engaging the connected customer, which sounds terribly intellectual. I had a look in the knowledge graph, and this I, this just made me laugh. I love it. Um, basically, looking in the knowledge graph API, we find your name because you're attached to CaliCube Tuesdays. CaliCube mm. Tuesdays is the event that the knowledge graph now recommends, recommends, excuse me, recognizes and recommends. Um, 
But we're both now linked. Thanks to you, I'm now linked indirectly to Mark Twain, who's one of my favorite authors. For some reason, The Human Journey is linked to Life on the Mississippi by Mark Twain. Heaven knows how Google makes that link, but uh, your favorite topic for today is linked to Mark Twain. You're in the knowledge graph, thanks to CaliCube Tuesdays. Wow. You and Mark Twain are brothers in the knowledge graph. How does that feel? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. I know we, we've, we've talked about this and I know you're the man with this, but just to get schooled there in a couple minutes and see all that proof on screen is pretty amazing. And my question is, so it sounds like, is there some level of difficulty to show up, have your Twitter box show up period? Is there a certain level of authority, a criteria, uh, to, to have that, let alone have it show yeah. up only a few minutes afterwards? Well, I mean, the, the Twitter box is basically, I mean, if you think about kind of what Google's showing on your brand search, when somebody searches your name or your brand name, it wants to show what's relevant and valuable. If your Twitter account is dead in the water, you're not doing anything, you're not tweeting anything, it won't show it because it isn't going to be valuable and helpful and valuable to your audience. But you obviously have been tweeting regularly over a long period of time. So anybody searching for you is likely to be interested in what you have to say on Twitter. Mm. It's as mm. simple as that. Everything in brand search is incredibly simple. Uh, so the fact that you have been tweeting regularly over a long period of time and you have engagement from your audience, Google recognizes that because Twitter has a fire hose into Google. Google finds it very easy to digest because it has all of that information in a very structured manner. Yeah, uh, you're just a good Twitter person. Uh, Jonah Alderson from Yoast is a genius example. He has five or six times more followers than either you or I, but he doesn't get the Twitter boxes. He doesn't get the Twitter boxes because he only ever retweets. Uh. Google's looking for original content. And that's why I asked you to make a tweet because you had only been retweeting for the last three days. I got you to do that tweet. It appears immediately, but the retweets did not appear. They want all the original content. Yeah, so it, your audience is interested in what you have to say, not what you are sharing with your Twitter audience, which is, let's say, one step away from the audience that's actually searching for you on Google. Which it's, just is a duplicate of, it's just a duplicate of contents already already there, so why continue to, to index that sort of stuff? Uh, I, I, I think it's also to do with the fact that your audience on Google isn't the same as your audience on Twitter. And so you're sharing with your audience on Twitter, who are obviously very interested, but the audience on Google is not that same audience. Therefore, Google's looking for something original from you. But that was brand SERPs, and I could talk about this all day, as I did on your show, and you very kindly allowed me to do so. Today, it's your turn to talk about the human journey, engaging con the connected customer. And I mean, my first question is actually the question you sent me, so I'm going to cheat and not even think about my question. What does it mean to be a connected customer? Sure. So a connected customer uh, is really a, a couple things. Customers these days, and and this has been a trend for uh, you know for many years now. I can't say exactly when when it happened, what year, but it's been you know probably well over a decade. Um, connected customers are more connected to each other, and they're more connected to brands and information due to their uh, 
due to the changing behavior and expectations that have happened by being tech driven by uh, technology driven customers, de oh. technology dependent, um, uh, the the pervasiveness of of the internet and all the information that's available, and so really a connected customer is someone who is technology enabled and pretty much what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, where they get their information from, um, how they're connected to their community, their peers, their, uh, uh, their, their family and friends. Uh, but then additionally, now that starts to, to roll over and it has rolled over some years ago and continues to be the, the expectation of connected customers. It rolls over to how they communicate also with institutions and brands at the same time. Sorry, I'm ghost the foundation of absolutely everything we're doing. I mean, looking at your beard, not wishing to insult you, but you're you're <laughs> probably one of these people who was around before we were all connected customers. Correct. Yeah. So we've got they call them digital natives a lot of times, right? Where we, we have yeah. folks that 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 were were born always being connected in some form or fashion. I graduated high school in 1994, and I always think about the fact that I graduated in 94, and right around 94 was when we started using AOL uh, mm -hmm. at the time, right? So it was dial-up, we were using AOL, and, and that right around that time was where the internet started to become a little bit more of what would we consider a mainstream thing, or at least initially started to, to become a mainstream thing that was accessible to, to, to folks. So I'm certainly, you know, not a digital native, um, but but that definitely changes a lot when I think about like, I don't feel that old, but then when you look at how old, how long it's been since say 1994 and just how many folks have been born and grown up and are adults uh, now that have been born after that, um, there's definitely this divide between folks who uh, had one foot before uh, being being connected again just by the internet, not by mobile devices or yeah. by social networks or, or any of this sort of stuff. And those who, it's that's just the way it's always been for, for them. And they're right. because of that, their expectations have followed as such as to what they expect from the world and the technology around them and engaging with people and, and businesses. But that kind of brings the question, I mean, like in 1994, let's say zero... 0.001% of the world was connected to the internet. 1998, which is when I started, I was a bit late, a late starter compared to you. Let's say 0.02%. Uh, and now it's 100% or not 100% of the world, but you know, 100. basically, if you're doing business in one of the more developed countries, you're going to be doing business and you have to deal with online. You have to previously businesses set the tone for engagement. Right. Um, and that's not the case. It hasn't been the case for a long, long time and continues to not be the case the the you know for 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 the foreseeable future. There were a few sort of times where uh, the new eclipsed the old, where, for instance, more devices, more mobile devices were connected to the internet than there were people who had had hardwired devices, uh, you know, so people who are using mobile devices, Eclipse people using things like desktop uh, de devices, oh. and it was never, ever going to go back. So there was a, an expectation that had to be uh, uh, set within your business of, well, we need to make sure our website is, is mobile. So that was an early, you know, some years past expectation that brands would have to have mobily accessible websites uh, to connect with connected customers. And if they didn't, 
their information would be less accessible just at a at a baseline. But I mean, so, I mean, I, I mean, I'm coming back to this idea. I mean, like at the beginning of the noughties, kind of you thinking, well, the connected customer, it's a chunk, but it's not the biggest chunk. We don't really need to worry about it. And today, we really have to worry about it. I was in Mauritius for 13 years, and what was interesting about Mauritius is that there weren't landline telephones in all the towns. So everybody had a cell phone. Mm. And in fact, the connected customer in Mauritius was in some ways more connected than in developed countries like France or the UK or America, simply because absolute nobody had a line, or very few people had landlines. Everybody had a mobile phone. Everybody had a mobile internet connection. Yeah, what you bring up is is important to note that connected customers are not the same in everywhere geographically and in, in, in every country. So there's a lot of countries like in the US, we tended to have a lot more individuals who were on a uh, an internet enabled, you know, or, you know, on a desktop, essentially on a computer. And over time started to add mobile devices or, uh, you know, tablets, yeah. smartphones, that sort of thing. Whereas there's a, a whole nother side of the spectrum uh, around the, the globe of individuals that um, those folks didn't spend any money initially on, on desktops or laptops for whatever reason in, in, in different communities, there just wasn't money for everybody to have their own individual laptop, let alone a computer in their, in their, uh, uh, in their home. Uh, and then, and then, but it was easy for somebody. And, and, and just as everybody usually feels when they've got their mobile device, like that there, you got that personal thing. It's just like your toothbrush. You're not going to let somebody use your toothbrush. You got your own phone. It's your personal thing. You're not going to let anybody touch your, your, it's, it's just as personal. There are countries around the world where, most of the people there uh, have mobile devices, but don't have any other computing device or connected device whatsoever. And then there's countries where there's a lot of uh, uh, multi-device, multi-device people that, that are, that are sort of going between uh, devices all the time. That's why, for instance, you know, Google, uh, Google analytics has made dramatic changes with their version four recently, which is going to take a while to roll out to people. But one of the issues is, has been that the pervasiveness of m- people who are connected on multiple devices has mm-hmm. outpaced their ability to adapt this sort of antiquated uh, page view analytics uh, tool in, in, in Google analytics um, that works for both, you know, apps and websites, but doesn't really work for sort of this cross device uh, single user cross device journey that uh, customers are doing these days. Right. And I mean, that's always existed, but we're now phenomenally more worried about it because we're seeing it and because it's much more prevalent. And, and one of my questions now is, uh, do we need to adapt to the connected customer today in a way that we didn't? I mean, even 10 years ago, the internet was there, but it wasn't as prevalent. Do we need to adapt more or do we still need to keep doing the same things? I, I think what what companies say they what companies believe that they're doing and what their customers say is really going on there's a, there's a significant delta and um, w- when we describe things like engaging on multiple devices or engaging on multiple channels because it's not just about devices it's, it's it's also about channels the average number of of, of social mm-hmm. networks that an individual. Uh, is is a part of 
continues to grow at about 1.5 to two networks a year. We're at an average of about uh, seven to 10 social networks per person. Yes. Uh, And, and so when you think about that as a brand trying to engage with somebody, yeah. No, no, sorry. We we can come back to it as a brand engaging with it, but just just as a brand. Yeah. What do they do with their lives? They spend their whole time on social media. This is a question I'm actually asking myself. I can't deal with more than LinkedIn and Twitter. Beyond that, I just get lost. I think it depends on, so there are different needs or uses for each of the networks, right? So if you think of something like a Pinterest is technically a social network. Pinterest is where you go to like, think about what you want to do, where you're like planning an event or or you're planning a remodel in your house or something creative that you wanna do. It, you, when you have a particular mindset, you go over to Pinterest. When you have a different mindset, you go over to say uh, community, uh, excuse me, Clubhouse, which I was talking to you about uh, earlier today yeah, before this. Right. Yeah, and 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 then Facebook and and you know Snapchat, and Instagram, and and all these different networks here. So I think that there's certainly networks that dominate uh, the the sort of mind share and attention. Um, so that's that's where I think it really uh, boils down to is what is the mindset that the individual is in? So therefore, they go to that particular network of community to relax and, you know, creatively explore things in Pinterest without the the uh, pressure of uh, trolls or 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 negative conversation going on because of the nature of it versus, say, like Instagram or they want to go over to TikTok just because that's a place where like TikTok, for instance, this year in, or t- in 2020 has exploded. Uh, it was already quite popular, but it exploded because people were sitting at home in their, uh, you know, shelter in place. And TikTok was a, a relative place of joy and and, and entertainment um, there. So that's why people went and, and checked it out. And we'll see how long they, partic- they they continue to spend their time and attention, you know, looking at TikTok when things change in the world around them. Mm. But it's become a part of a place where they end up spending that that, that time and attention. Yeah, I mean, so we have uh, users who are permanently, permanently, excuse me, connected on different platforms. How do brands approach that? I mean, that's what you started to talk about. That's a phenomenally complex problem. What do I do as a brand? Where do I start? So, I mean, it's 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 very similar to a lot of other um, questions like that, which is, you know, getting to know your customer and and, and understanding your specific customer, what are their needs? Uh, what are their, wh- where do they spend their uh, uh, their time and attention? Because we think about it, we've got 24 hours in the day. You, you, you can, your, your customers are going to be spending some aspect of some pr- a portion of that 24 hours doing different things throughout their day. Mm-hmm. So where are they spending their, their, their time and attention? They can't be spending it, you know, Every single place on earth, they got to be spending it on a few select places. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I now have a question. Yeah, those select places. Um, if my customer is spending a lot of time on Facebook, but when they're on Facebook, they're hanging out with their friends. But when they're on Pinterest, they're planning for redecorating the house, which is the example you gave. As a business, if I'm looking at house redecoration, Facebook, although they spend a lot of time there, is not necessarily my best target. Exactly. So what I what I recommend is to look at it in this way to to simplify it. I call it the three M's. So there's the mindset, the moment and the medium. 
And so the mindset is what, what, what is it that they're trying to accomplish or what, what, what is the mindset of, of this individual while they're on a network or maybe even in a store with their mobile device open? Uh, what is it that they're trying to accomplish or what is their uh, focus or their state of emotion? Just like, generally, what is that? And then even like, what's their way of learning? If you're going to put, you know, audio content, for instance, on something that that where audio content isn't as easy to consume or your particular audience doesn't normally uh, consume audio content or you you're writing big, long blog posts, for instance, for some for, for a group that have short attention spans, don't have the time to, to, to go through all that. What's a better way that you you know that you might package that up for them? So there's the mindset. What is their mindset? Uh, wherever it is that they're spending that, that time and attention. Right. Uh, okay. Then two, the moment. Moment is about timing. Mm. Uh, so, so timing is, uh, are you providing the right, uh, uh, the right interaction with that individual? Again, is the, if you look at their mindset, you look at where they are, what it is they're trying to accomplish, is the timing right for this particular interaction that you're gonna have with them? So let's take for an example, uh, somebody comes to your website uh, or say they're on Facebook and they engage with you on a, on your chat. So it could be on, a, on your, your chat, like an intercom thing or a live chat on your website, but it could also be something on like say Facebook messenger. In both of those cases, chat is a mechanism for, for instantaneous in engagement. Somebody right. chat, you chat back with them. So if you aren't there and available to have a conversation back with back and forth forth with them, you may be misaligned with the expectation that that particular customer has Brilliant. at that moment. So that timing right. is different. We, we had that conversation. Say, Sorry, yeah. literally, I had that conversation with David Sace and Ian Benjamin uh, about an hour ago, and it, and David Sace very rightly said the expectations are incredibly important. Um, and we as brands need to understand what the expectations of the person opposite. If you offer a live chat, you have to be able to provide that. And in, in, in the expectation is, is, is important because that's what's driving this. It, it isn't a thing where we say, how should we engage with our, our customers and, and leave it at that? We are being told how we should be engaging with our customers based on the expectations that customers are, are voicing. If you look at data by Salesforce and Edelman, a lot of these big companies year over year, the trend has consistently been that that customer experience has a tremendous impact on the bottom line for brands and businesses. It gets people to to be more loyal, to spend more money, to tell more mm -hmm. other people about said business, which obviously through word of mouth helps grow the your revenue because now you're you're getting at new customers by way of this word of mouth. And they're doing so when they feel that they have a great customer experience. And having a great customer experience means uh, uh, taking advantage of all of these 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 technological tools we have and channels and places to engage with them in an appropriate way that makes it feel like a cohesive experience and therefore improves the overall 
customer experience uh, and, and getting all those those benefits. And I want to make sure I get to the third M for you. But, but I'll, I'll interrupt and then I'll bring you back to the third M. And one oh, of the, one of the dangers for brands is that we we find a new toy or a bell and a whistle and we think, oh, this is going to be really cool. Uh, and and that is actually not serving the customer. We're just thinking this is going to be really cool. Uh, and I like the word mollycoddle, which is English. Uh, and, and it what does seems, that mean? Well, it, it's cuddly. It, it, it's cuddly people. Um, and so it's bringing people through in a way they appreciate. And, and mollycoddling would be something your grandmother does, uh, which can be at a given time, incredibly appropriate, and then at another time, incredibly embarrassing or yeah. inappropriate. Uh, so kind of that's my in- terribly English equivalent. So on to the third M. Yeah, and, and just really quick to riff off of what you're saying, we're humans. We're, yeah. we're all, we have different needs at different times. We have different emotions. It's just the way it is. So taking into consideration that we're, we're dynamic individuals that have, you know, various needs. That. We're not of this big amalgamation of, 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 uh, we're not all uh, a homogenous blob, so to speak yeah. as customers. Um, and no, so well, getting, well, not only are yeah. not all customers the same, but as an individual, I'm not the same at nine o'clock in the morning as I am at ten in the evening, as I am next week, as I will be in five years' time. Or, but, but over those mic, um, is it Google who talk about micro moments? I mean, it it, it sounds yes, a bit Google funky, sounds yep. If I may say, oh, micro moments and serve the customer, but they're not that wrong. No, they're not. And so, so, so we talked about mindset, we talked about moment, and then we talk about medium. And what medium oh. is, is essentially what channel, device, or format is the interaction, uh, how, uh, which, which channel, device, or format is the interaction in, okay? So are you, again, we talked about the difference between like going on to Facebook where you're just kind of perusing around and looking at whatever happens to be shared there. Uh, and the difference between that and say, again, something like Pinterest or something like a like a TikTok uh, or again, LinkedIn, which which has a dramatic, you know, is, is different on the other side of the spectrum from a lot of the other social networks. So when you're in those different, uh, uh, and we, and you've probably seen it, Jason, where you go to LinkedIn and there's folks that, sh- that share things that, um, the rest of the community sort of calls out and goes, this isn't Facebook. Why is this here? It, 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 right. and maybe, a maybe a, a little bit too, uh, personal for some folks or whatever the case may be. And there really are no rules, but the community has assumed rules about, uh, about that particular channel, because that's the mindset that folks are in on on that channel um, from a device perspective again if you have a a website it could be the best website in the world as far as information goes and communicating your brand and so on and so forth but if it isn't actually ready for mobile uh, mobile you know uh, viewers uh, and the experience is, is is subpar for mobile viewers uh, then you haven't thought through the fact that your audience actually happens to 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 show up on that particular device very often. I mean, we even have other devices, right? We've talked a lot about tablet and and mobile and desktop, but we've got all kinds of other inter, internet connected devices, uh, IoT devices uh, like um, our our smartwatches and our voice assistants, um, our 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 echoes, you know, and and things like that in our homes. Um, and there's potential opportunities to engage with customers there. And then in regards to format, format again really is like, is this in audio, video, text, images, a mixture of all those? Is it in VR? 
like VR sounds really, really, really cool. And I've got a couple VR headsets and I, and I love it, but it is not a great way right now for people to engage with their customers outside of a few small um, use cases. It may be when it, it starts to become more mainstream and there starts to be more, again, attention that suddenly shifts in the same way folks shifted to TikTok in 2020. There may be a time where folks start to shift over towards something Apple's got going on, for instance, or uh, a place where if you know that they're spending an hour a day inside this this particular medium, what where, how would you engage with them? How would you create content to make sure that you were uh, capitalizing in a way or, or, or connecting with those customers during that time? I'm, I'm, we're looking at uh, a connected customer who is evolving. Uh, a, two things strike me, one of which is, the connected customer is not in the same mindset at any given moment of the day or of the week, or but also that the the, the tendencies are changing. Uh, we've got all these different platforms. We act differently on different platforms. Then we've got VR coming in. Uh, how can brands possibly keep up with that? I mean, what once again we look at um, Google. Every we we want to jump on the new bandwagon all the time. Is it a good idea? A, a brand's going to have to keep up or die, or is it completely adaptive? You always should be experimenting, in my opinion, but that experiment should be should be earmarked as an experiment. Meaning that oh, if you're going to do that, right, your your budget, your resources, and everything that you're doing, you're 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 testing the waters, not making an assumption that in doing so, you're going to somehow uh, beat everybody the punch. You might beat everybody the punch, but don't blow your entire budget on doing something like that, right? I think I think you've just stated what I was trying to state in a much more practical manner. It, it's that we're always tempted, or a lot of us are tempted to try and get in ahead of everybody else, but then maybe it's too early. And I like the idea of saying, actually, part of my activity is testing the waters and seeing what's going to happen. Yeah, if, if I were to take, for instance, just thinking about that mindset moment in Medium a little bit and looking at what data sets you might have available to you, and maybe it may be first party data, maybe your own data that you have available through, um, mm. you know, a history of, of your customers and what companies are they from? What's the makeup of those companies? Where are your sweet spots within there? Who are the titles of the individuals within within your company, the, the companies that uh, that you have had as customers? Just looking at all that data uh, along with any other data you have available, even looking at sort of larger big data sources that are out there, third-party data sources, um, looking at your uh, CRM, your marketing automation tools, your uh, audience intelligence stuff that there might, might might be out there. You and I were talking just briefly about, for instance, SparkToro uh, mm. by Rand Fishkin and team, and um, you know, using something like that uh, where you can even upload your own customer lists to SparkToro and take really? a look at, yeah, you can you can upload your own customer list and you can see, so what are the hashtags uh, that they're using? What, where are the websites that they are frequently frequenting the most? What, which, uh, you know, social networks, podcasts, you're just trying to get as much data as, as you possibly can to just take a look at it and analyze. Um, you look at that mindset moment in medium and you can start to kind of map out interactions. Again, if you just look at it at a very, very high level, you can start to map out moments where these, these uh, you know that there are um, interactions, there, 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 uh, 
you map them out in a way where if you understand, for instance, the mindset somebody may be in when they come to a page on your website and you have a chat come up. So there's the, mo the there's the, the moment, the mindset, there's the moment that that chat bot pops up and that somebody's right that said in there. So what's the mindset in the moment as they coalesce? And then what's the medium being a chat bot? And that should give you even just a slight understanding of, okay, so based on this, what is the content we should have here? What kind of interaction should we have? Yeah. What is the, what is the the need that this individual is going to have if they're right here? They may want to talk to a sales rep right here or at a bare minimum, uh, get quick access to certain content that they may have to go searching on our website to find. So how do we make sure we, uh, we, we, we rise that up to the top and put that in front of them at the right moment and even test the, you know, that against other pieces of content to see if we got it right when we try to match the mindset moment and medium together to create the right moment for interacting with our customer. Right, yeah, and, and getting or getting it wrong on the mindset absolutely ruins the whole deal. I mean, the number of times that I've gone onto sites, somebody's popped up a chatbot or they've done something else, and I just think I'm never talking to them ever again. Uh, how do you deal with that? I mean, my, I mean, I, I tend to be quite feisty in the sense that it goes from yeah, this is great to absolutely never again, uh, just like that. Any any possibility there? Yeah, so it reminds me of just uh, yesterday or the day before going on a website and looking for some information. And it was actually somebody's blog. It happened to be another marketing agency, right? Uh, mm -hmm. it, I'm, I own a marketing agency. It happened to be another marketing agency that had a blog. And I was reading uh, their blog post. And it was something slid in from the left. And then something popped in from the one side. And then they have this little thing on the bottom that said, uh, you know, Joe Blow uh, from Illinois uh, just got a lot of value from X, Y, and Z. And I don't even know what it was trying to sell. And it, it just felt like things were popping up yep. all over the place. And I was like, choose an interaction. Choose. The, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot going on here. And you're making an assumption. One of these will you know, nab me, I wouldn't be obviously the best, uh, the, the best um, customer in this case for them being an agency owner already. But it certainly, uh, it, it certainly re uh, reduced the quality of that customer experience for me. Um, it, the each of those things being layered on top, those 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 different elements of calls to action and messaging and all this, all at the same time. It's it's one thing to test them. It's another thing to test them all at the same time, <laughs> uh, to have them all layered on top well, of each other. And, and and that's the feeling I sometimes get. I get phenomenally annoyed with all the pop-ups and slide-ins. And, and, and as you say, now you mention it, you kind of think, yeah, they're just testing it all in one go. And all they're doing is annoying me. And if you test it all in one go, now you're not actually technically testing each of them independently, they, they, they influence each other. They influence the results you get. If you have three things popping up at once and you haven't thought about how they create a, a, a cumulative moment, uh, and that cumulative moment either is going to have diminishing returns after a while, or it could end up being really incredible if you use it in, in the right way. Uh, but in most cases, folks aren't thinking about how those things, you know, uh, uh, are, are layered on top and, and create that collective experience. I mean, that, that wasn't the topic for today, but I'm suddenly terribly intrigued. There are two questions that occurred to me. Number one is, 
most of us aren't very good at doing two things at once. So if you give me one extra thing on top of what I'm actually reading, I'm already pretty distracted. And the other is uh, simply I'm actually trying to do something here and you're trying to sell me something when I'm trying to do something. Yes. Uh, is that appropriate? I, I think it's appropriate in certain instances because it does work, again, when you have the right offer or call to action there, right? If you understand clearly what the what the um, problem is or the job is that they're trying to solve, um, then you can match it with the right moment to be able to, 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 to sell to somebody. Uh, obviously, I think you're probably very similar to me and a lot of folks that are listening is if I'm looking for something to solve a problem and the problem is being sold to me in the way of a product or service, I'm totally open yeah. for checking out that product or service. It doesn't, it being sold to isn't necessarily the issue. It's whether or not it's the right thing at the right time and it's interfe interfering with the rest of what it is that I'm trying to accomplish at that moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose kind of some of it is that I've come to the site to read a blog post or, a, or an answer or whatever it is or watch a video that solves the problem that I have in the immediate future. And then they throw something at me for a problem that they think I might have or they want to sell me something. And you're saying, actually, I didn't come to the site to be sold to. I came to just for this one solution. And just the fact that I've seen your brand name, is that not enough? Yeah, and it reminds me. So there's two there's two parts to that. So one is that customers that we work with, one of the things that they, uh, one of the challenges that they face is that they have hungry sales teams, right. and when they have hungry sales teams, their sales teams are just like, give me, give me warm bodies so that I can start engaging with them and 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 start having conversations. Just identify how I can get in touch with them, and I will I will go after them and have a conversation with them. Right. And, and I understand, right? There's there's how they get paid. There's what their job is, all those sorts of things. But in, in a lot of cases, that an interaction somebody has on your website, for instance, where they suddenly make themselves known, you have their information, you have their contact information, you know that they're the right fit. They have a potential need or a budget. They work with a, their company profile is similar to what you're, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you would like to go after. Um, they haven't, they haven't raise their hand in every case to say, please contact me. I want to be sold to, uh, right. there are certain, there are certain uh, paying attention to how far along they are with their sort their customer journey. And when, when they are uh, showing some digital body language around late stage engagement, meaning much closer to making a right. decision or buying is different. Digital body language. I like that. We're going we're to quote you on that. It's a brilliant turn of phrase. And so the, 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 uh, uh, there's certainly that on the, on the one side, on the flip side, when we think about early, early sort of customer journey, sort of, uh, um, scenarios, you know, it's been batted around, but it's, but the data has, has been for many years. It's something close to 75% and up of a customer's journey, meaning that they are going out and they're trying to find solutions. They're trying to educate themselves. They're trying to see what options there are and all that. Uh, add it to a short list to decide how, how much deeper they want to go and engaging with any particular brand or or going down the road of a particular uh, uh, solution. 70% um, or greater happens before you even know that that person is interested 
in your service or product. So what that means is, is uh, there are there we've we've worked with customers and I've seen it happen a lot where individual uh, companies uh, are are just sort of like we just want the quickest of revenue. We just want to yeah. do some advertising and get people who are already ready to buy to come in right now and to uh, to, to talk to our sales folks. And the problem with that is is uh, one. They're now waiting for folks to make it through that 70% plus part of their customer journey and then ultimately trigger some interaction with them that, that makes it apparent that they want to talk to a salesperson. So that's one thing. And then two is that then they eventually are always saying, well, what about the early stage, like top of funnel stuff? How do I get more people interested in what I'm doing? Well, you're not doing anything early stage. You're not doing anything top of funnel to make sure that you, your brand is known, to make sure that mm. your content is discovered and found for things that, uh, for content that would be mapped to earlier uh, stage queries around, you know, content and questions and things like that. You're not um, in conversations on social networks where, where topics that 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 are early stage are being again discussed and 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 uh, uh, sort of mold about between other folks in your community and your peers, and so you are continuously relying on later stage paid mediums mm. to to get people who have made it all the way down the journey towards the end of that, which is a much smaller group than had you cast not cast a net per se, but created a digital presence that made sure that while your audience was trying to find solutions and, and educate themselves and research things, you were a part of the, that, that conversation in some way or help them in some way. But doesn't that then mean that as we become more connected, this is the last little chunk of this interview or this conversation, as we become more connected as customers, we become harder to fool and it's harder to for a company to or a brand to slip in at the very last moment and steal that sale without ever having been involved in the process to that 70% of deciding I actually want to buy. 100%. It, it all boils down to trust. And and these days, uh, trust has been something that, that consumers are calling out more often than they ever have. Right. And, 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 and trust has a lot to do with who the brands are as human beings and, and what do they stand by and, mm -hmm. and are they transparent and, and, uh, you know, do they, do they, um, voice their values and, and then express their values. Uh, but additionally, it has to do with the way that brands utilize technology. So, uh, connected customers expect brands to leverage new technology to make their customer experience better, both in the way of engaging with them, but also uh, in the overall customer experience that they provide when they've actually purchased a product or service with them. And, and along with that, not only goes the uh, a brand's uh, ability to leverage that technology and, and everything to build trust. It also is related to data. That's why we have things like GDPR and, mm -hmm. uh, and we have, you know, California has their own version of that. And I believe that in due time, we will definitely have uh, much more severe privacy, uh, uh, data privacy um, rules in the entire U S we're already seeing companies like Apple sort of pull back on things like advertising data and, 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 you know, data that they're, uh, sharing with others to be the bastions of of, of privacy, um, but but if a if a company is not transparent about how they leverage data, 
um, or is been found to misuse that data in some form or fashion, uh, they are far more likely to, they can have an, an awesome product or service, but that will uh, negatively impact their relationship with their customers in a big way. Right. And brand, and folks will, customers will go elsewhere simply because of that. And, and uh, as a bigger picture in terms of marketing, that, that privacy issue and the fact that we're moving towards a world where there will be less information about people uh, in a private sense means you really have to get involved from the beginning, from the top of the funnel. Uh, and our future as brands is to say, I need to engage with my customer right through that journey, which is a really lovely way to conclude this. And it was delightful to see somebody on my podcast getting as excited as I do on their podcast. Thank you very <laughs> much, Adam. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you very much.